There are quite a few people who have uh, gone before us, who have been people of faith, who have admitted that they are aliens and strangers in this world, and their stories are very inspiring. Uh, today, just, we're going to be kind of sitting in Hebrews chapter 11 for a little bit, looking at some of the heroes of the faith from the past, and I want to share a few stories today with you of some of the heroes from the not-so-distant past, uh, hopefully to encourage us as uh, fellow travelers fellow aliens, fellow strangers in this world. Last week, I shared with you the idea that the Bible communicates to us about being aliens, strangers in this world. I shared with you about how God desires to have Christ form in us. And it's really like an alien invasion by request because we invite God into our lives. He doesn't demand His way in or force His way in. When the Lord has been invited into our lives, we are made alive spiritually inside and we instantly become different because of His presence in our lives. We are little aliens, or as the word Christian means, little Christ. Jesus says that we, are no, long, we no longer belong to the world, John fifteen nineteen. But He has asked the Father to keep us in the world, John seventeen fifteen. Part of the reason that the Lord has us in the world, but not of it, is that He desires us to reflect His glory and His image. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Even though Jesus says that my kingdom is not of this world, He teaches aliens, us, to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He has a desire for His kingdom and kingdom things to be happening here on this planet. We're on, this, we're on a planet, though, that's in rebellion to God's kingdom. And it's run by a system called the world. The Lord tells us not to love the world system, 1 John 2.15, but says that God loves the people in the world, John 3.16. So we are asked by God to no longer live like the natives of this world, but to live like aliens, citizens of God's kingdom, citizens of another place, not this place. This means that a lot of us here in the church in the United States need to stop acting like a third group of people that we've created, tourists. We need to stop acting like tourists who are on vacation from God's kingdom to sample the world's culture to get a little taste. We need to stop falling in love with the world's system. It's time for us to rip up our vacation visas and put on our walking shoes, get back to our alien status because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. See, I want to tell you today that we're not home yet. We're not home yet. we still got a journey. And this journey isn't a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a long run for a lot of us. Some of us may be a little shorter. For folks like Nate Saint, who were martyred, killed young, at a young age, but we don't know that. As, long, as far as we know, we might be here for a while. As Christ followers, somehow we need to be able to encourage one another on this journey. We need to encourage one another not to give up because sometimes the journey isn't so easy going. I told you some of the alien songs that we sing that kind of encourage us on the journey. I told you about some of those songs last week. Well, here is another part of an alien song. that, And, and there's a verse that is often forgotten and not sung with this song. But once I sing it, you'll, you'll probably recognize it. It goes like this. Uh, let me see. 
talking, singing. Okay, I've got to make the switch here. Uh, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. That's a verse sometimes we leave out. Skip to that last one. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. I mean, I know athletes do that sometimes. They, they, they try to picture the, the end result, the goal. And, and so it, it's okay to sing that verse, but we, we need to remember the, the verse before that. That we're still here. We're not home yet. And there might be some dangers, might be some toil, might be some snares. We need to be careful. Hang on. Uh, look, if, if you want to, I know it's dark in here and that's why we do the screens. But if you want to you know, turn to Hebrews 11, we're going to be hanging out there for a little bit. And, and as I read this passage from Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, I want, I want you to think, what does an alien look for and what does an alien think of? Okay, as, I, as, I, as we read this verse, think those questions. What does an alien look for and what does an alien think of? Okay, here we go. Let me read to you about the longing aliens have for their true home. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Aliens don't have their mind on this world. They're thinking of another place. And they're looking for another place. Sometimes our eyes get distracted when we're here on this planet. We start looking for other things. We start thinking about other things. But as aliens... We need to think differently. We need to look with our eyes at different things. Can I tell you some stories of some people who didn't have their mind on this world, but on a better world, God's kingdom? Can I tell you some stories of some aliens who didn't turn back to the world system, but kept on looking with a homesickness for the kingdom of heaven? Let me tell you about Hudson Taylor, who became an influential missionary to China in the last part of the 1800s. At age 16, Taylor became a Christ follower while he lived with his Christian family in an affluent neighborhood of Yorkshire, England. It was just a few years later that Taylor knew he was going to be a missionary in a foreign land. At at age 19, he moved to Drainside. It was a poverty-stricken neighborhood, depressing area that was named after a foul-smelling, stinking ditch that ran through the neighborhood. He purposely moved there because he wanted to work with the doctor to gain some medical knowledge. And he also said, in his own words, to accustom himself to something of the loneliness and dangers of living in a strange land where his only companion would be God. At Drainside, Taylor learned lessons he would take with him to China. One evening, he was asked to go and pray for a sick woman and her starving children. As he tried to pray, his words got choked in his throat. Because he knew in his possession, in his pocket, he had one silver, silver coin. But it was his last silver coin. But he heard his heart telling him 
that he could be the answer to his own prayer for, that he was praying for these people and that their suffering could be alleviated. And in his heart, he heard his heart say, Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Telling people about a kind and loving Father in heaven and not prepared to trust Him yourself without your money. So he gave him his last coin. And then that last night, he ate his last bowl of porridge before he went to bed, not knowing what the morning would have in store for him. His only thought was the scripture, he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. The next day, he received a package. It was a gold coin worth ten times the silver coin he had. Taylor said it was the best bank he'd ever worked with. If that's the kind of interest he would get for banking with God for only 12 hours. So he continued to lay all of his needs before the Lord. He was passionate in his prayer, asking God to move men's hearts. The doctor he worked for at Drainside told him, Taylor, hey, if I ever forget about your salary, just remind me and I'll pay you. You know, I'm so busy, I'm likely to forget. And he did forget. But Taylor knew that when he was going to be in China, he'd have no one to ask anything of. 